This is crime scene investigator Chris G leading you under the police tape and into a crime scene. Join me as we discuss the ever-changing world of forensic science. Put on your PPE, ready your fingerprint brushes and experience the drama of a crime scene. Hello everyone, how are you all doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Crime Scene Investigator. I hope you've had a good couple weeks. I've mostly been, well, just doing what you can during lockdown, is staying indoors, watching a bit of TV. Uh, I've been hooked on The Circle at the moment. I don't know if you guys have been watching that, but I've often thought, oh, how are my crime-fighting skills deal with a situation like The Circle? So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about exhibiting and packaging. Now you may be scratching your head wondering what exhibiting is, so I've uh, I thought long and hard about how I could put this into one sentence, and well, here goes. So, what is an exhibit? It is something which has been recovered into police custody, which could be subject to testing or further analysis to be presented in a courtroom. So in a nutshell, that is what an exhibit is. And an exhibit could be anything, anything that may help uh, the, the, say, the case or the progress of said case. For example, if you've got a mobile phone that's been recovered from a drugs warrant, you could have a load of information on that phone as to who uh, the contacts are for that person. And also you've got a, a mobile phone that has potentially got some forensic evidence on there as well, such as fingerprints and DNA. So all the all this uh, information that could be gathered from the phone would be crucial to an investigation. So we take it away with us and we recover it. So we don't recover things indefinitely all the time. It may be that the owner of said property would like it back, and in which case, once the court case is finished or the investigation has been has been closed, then they can have their items back. That's no problem. They may not want them back if, say, uh, we've had to do some say chemical work on it to uh, recover some fingerprints. In which case, if we know that the what we're going to do is going to destroy an exhibit, then we'd always check with the owner first if they are sort of being treated as a victim. So let's talk packaging. Why do we package an item and why is it important? So we package an item to protect the handler from injury. So if we were to recover a knife and put it into a plastic bag, chances are that we're going to pierce the bag with the knife and run the risk of really injuring ourselves. So in which case we would use suitable packaging to protect the user of the exhibit from any injury. We'd also protect the exhibit from damage and contamination. So we don't want the bag to split in, say, the example of the knife case, because then we could end up contaminating the knife with anything present that's outside the packaging. We also want to pre prevent contamination between exhibits. So if we have got, let me think, so say if we've got some bloodstained clothing and we've got a knife, but the knife hasn't been used to cause injury to the person with the bloodstained clothing, if they're not packaged correctly, then we run the risk of a small trace of blood being transferred from the item of clothing onto the knife. And that could cause all kinds of problems later down the line. So that's why we've got to make sure that nothing can say get in and out of the packaging of our exhibits. And we want to ensure continuity and integrity. These are two key words that we always talk about with, with packaging and, and exhibits. 
Now you might be thinking, what do we mean by continuity and integrity? Well, lucky for you, you've got a man that's doing a podcast that's just about to tell you. So continuity, um, that word basically means that we want to know where an exhibit has been at all times in its sort of life with us in the police. So we want to be able to prove where it was and when it was there uh, at all times um, when it's been recovered up until the point that it then gets taken to court. So say for example if I recover something it's going to be in my possession and then I'm going to put it into our property store who then accept the uh, the receipt of that exhibit and then they should be able to evidence that that item has been with them in the property store for a set amount of time. It may be that I think oh, I need to do some testing on, on that item so I'm going to need to go into the property store and take it out and in which case the property store would have a record of when I come in to their store to collect the item and take it away. And then when I return it again, once I've done all that I need to do, then they'll check in the exhibit again. So we've got a timeline of when I've recovered it, when it's been in the property store, when it's been taken out and then been put back in, all the way up to the uh, time that it goes to court. And this will be recorded on the evidence bag as well. So if the bag is then opened, uh, we're going to put like document on the exhibit bag when it was opened and by who. Uh, and then we're going to seal it up again. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we mean by continuity. It's having that timeline of where the exhibit has been uh, at all times. Now what do we mean by integrity? Now integrity basically means that if an item is of high integrity then there's less arguments against it. I don't know if you've seen that Making a Murderer where there was that blood file of I think it was Stephen Avery uh, and the blood vial had been packaged into like this polystyrene kind of block thing I don't know what you would call it uh, the tape that was sealing that polystyrene block had been cut and then never sealed back again now because it had never been sealed again you then lost all the integrity of that item because anyone could open up the exhibit without actually having to break through a seal and record that they'd done so. So we didn't know how many times that exhibit had been opened, who had been in there or, or, or anything. So then it had lost integrity. So to ensure that an item it has its integrity intact, we're always going to seal up the bag once we've cut it, cut through, um, and we're going to seal away from the original seal. So when I recover something, I might say seal it into a bag and uh, seal across the top of that evidence bag. Now what someone shouldn't do is cut through my own seal because then if they do that, I wouldn't be able to tell how many times someone has cut through my own seal. So what they're going to do is they're going to pick a new place in the bag and they're going to cut through that and then take out the item, do what they need to do with it, return it to the original packaging and then seal up across their new cut in the bag with a bit of tape. Now once they put that tape down as well they may choose to say put a label across the, the seal so then if anyone cuts into it they're going to break uh, that label and cut through it or you're going to sign across say the edges of the tape so your signature goes across both the tape and the like packaging. 
Now this means that if the tape is then peeled off it's incredibly hard for someone to put back the tape in exact alignment with your signature. Um, so this is a way to just ensure that once you've cut open a bag and then placed it back in again no one else can say go through uh, and cut into your exhibit without you knowing and that's the whole idea that when you get to court you have a look at your exhibits and you you look at the, the packaging and you're confident or you should hopefully be confident with the packaging knowing that no one has been in and out of this exhibit bag without you knowing about it so that's what we mean by integrity now what types of packaging material are available to her to us we have a whole host of uh, packaging items that can be used uh, to recover all sorts uh, sometimes there might not be say a box big enough for something that we need to recover um, so then we'll have to do like almost like a little art attack type thing and place piece together like different bits of packaging uh, to yeah form kind of this I don't know this like really large box or really oddly shaped exhibit bag um, sometimes it, it like the shape of it isn't important just as long as it is sealed and nothing can get in and out you've got to make sure that when you're say taping together two boxes that all the holes and gaps are completely sealed so nothing can get in and out you wouldn't even be able to thread through like a tiny little fiber it's got to be completely say airtight that way um, so the items that we have, most commonly we have tamper-proof evidence bags. You may have seen these on TV. They've basically got like, they're a bag with a little sticky strip at the top. You peel off, um, like it's like a bit of paper or plastic to reveal the, se uh, the sticky seal. And then you seal it together once your item's inside. Now if you were to try and pull the, the seal apart, it then comes up and has like a little has like a little message where the the stickiness leaves something behind that just says void so you know if someone has tried to pull the evidence bag apart it's quite obvious and quite visible um, other items we have we have exhibit boxes now boxes are good if you've got say something like a hammer um, that could pierce uh, an exhibit bag quite easily um, you also don't want say the, the hammer to become damaged if it was to be dropped and also again we'll put mobile phones into boxes so then again if uh, a mobile phone is just in a like a, an evidence plastic bag it really does run the risk of getting damaged which we don't want to do it's never nice to hand something back to someone all damaged and then yeah the police have got to pay out a bill when that could have been easily avoided so yeah we can use boxes just uh, always making sure that what we we put into the box is secure um, inside the box. Now we've got things like cable ties that we can utilize to make sure that the items are well secure in the box. We've also got knife tubes. Now knife tubes they're say plastic tubes that you screw together and you can pull them apart so you've got two ends um, that then yeah meet in the middle they screw together and you can put things like sharp knives in there you can also put say screwdrivers in there I sometimes put like little cigarette lighters in there as well to stop them like accidentally igniting in the exhibit bag um, and we'll often say that anything that's say breakable or could damage the evidence bags we want to put into a rigid container and by that we mean say the knife tubes or boxes 
Um, we've also got, say, little pots and buckets. Um, I use, they're called little poly pots, which are almost like the same you get in like your little urine tests kits that you get from the doctors. <laughs> These urine pots are perfect for uh, cigarette ends. So I uh, I tend to put them in in them there quite a lot. Now you might think, well, why don't I just shove the uh, the cigarette end into an evidence bag? Well, sometimes a cigarette end could be trodden on and walked into the scene, and if it's trodden on, likelihood is that it's going to be flat or it's going to be damaged. If the cigarette end is quite rounded, then that may help suggest that it hasn't been trodden into the scene and walked in, and maybe someone has has yeah left it in your crime scene so down the line you hopefully you can see where I'm getting at here there may be an argument that in a courtroom the the person who's left that cigarette end may say well I I, I lit up a cigarette end nearby I, I was walking my dog nearby and someone must have walked it into the crime scene well if I've helped protect this exhibit and made sure it hasn't got squashed um, in say the property store then this may help, say, negate that argument. Um, it's not going to prove or disprove his, his theory, I guess, but if he is lying, maybe this will uh, this will make them wobble. I say he, there are female criminals out there as well. <laughs> okay, so I'll uh, cover some exhibits that need, say, special packaging measures, um, and the most common example I can think of are arson exhibits. So when we go to an arson, there has possibly been uh, accelerant used to start a fire. This could be petrol, diesel, white spirit, I'm not going to give you too many hints, um, <laughs> but these say uh, th this kind of ignitable liquid will quickly evaporate. So we need to put it into some packaging material that we know is going to house this this gas and it's it's not going to easily evaporate. So we've got nylon bags that we'll use. We'll use uh, nylon bags to say package uh, like a a sample a sample of debris from the scene, um, and this could be in say the seat of fire where we think that the accelerant has been poured, or it could be that uh, the person's clothing. So our suspect in custody, we might think that or oh, maybe they've got accelerant on their clothes, so we're going to recover those into nylon bags as well. And what we do is we do something that we call swan neck the bag. So we'll uh, we'll kind of roll up the the end of a bag, almost like you're trying to do like Christmas cracker wrapping, but only at one end. And we'll um, we'll tie, sort of like scrunch up an end, tie it, and then loop it across over itself. So it looks a bit like a a swan neck. So it's it's going up and then coming down on itself once we've twisted it. And then we're going to put a cable tie across that loop uh, to help seal it in place. It's so hard to uh, explain how we do it over audio only. Um, if you want some examples of, say, awesome packaging, then yeah, hit us up on Twitter at CSI Chris G, and I'll try and dig out like an exhibit bag that I can show you. We've also got uh, wet items like wet clothing, if it's been out in the rain or if it's covered in blood. We're going to need to, say, package those to ensure that they're not going to get all mouldy. Um, but they're also not going to soak through, say, the exhibit packaging. Now, clothing we would normally put into brown paper sacks. That is just because they're a little bit more breathable, um, and hopefully they're not going to cause the exhibit to get, say, like, 
lots of condensation and then start going mouldy. Um, so yeah, we'll need to put all clothing into brown paper sacks. But then, of course, as it's wet, it's going to get mouldy if we don't dry it. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll put that item of wet clothing into like a big plastic bag. We won't seal that plastic bag. We'll keep it open um, so then the clothes can still sort of breathe. But then we will seal that bag into a paper sack. So then we know that nothing can get in or out. But as long as we keep it upright, the exhibit packaging isn't going to get soaking wet and damaged. But of course, we've still got an item of wet clothing in that uh, exhibit bag. So we'll either need to get that into a drying room to get that dried completely. Or if, say, it's not a major case, we might just, say, freeze the item of clothing. Uh, so then if it is then later needed, a scientist can defrost it and then examine it. Now, we don't always dry the clothing because um, it is a bit of a... I can't think of a polite way to put it. It's very time consuming because our drying cabinet and the cleaning air at the clean area that we'll we'll call it has got to be say cleaned before and after. Um it is quite an ordeal and it takes quite a long time for the clothing to dry as well. It may be like a couple of days. And as we've only got two drying cabinets in Sussex, it can get quite a backlog sometimes. So then it might be worth better off uh sorry us popping it in a freezer. Now we've got uh, footwear lifts that we'll take from uh, from a crime scene where it may be that we've powdered a footwear mark on the floor and we're able to uh, recover that footwear mark with like a gelatine lift. Uh, that lift will then need to be packaged into a box to ensure that it doesn't say get damaged or trodden on so an, a different footwear imprint is left on our on our crime scene mark so we'll need to put that into a box but also secure it into the box uh, to make sure that yeah it's not going to get damaged whilst it's in there um, so now I'll talk about exhibiting now basically what we mean by exhibiting is that uh, an exhibit must have details on on it so we know what the exhibit is where it was recovered from, who recovered it, and when. So every single exhibit that I've recovered in my life uh, in my lifetime is going to be unique because it all the exhibits are going to have a different exhibit number, a different time and date, a different description. There may be some that are, have a similar description um, because it might be that I take a swab from a Coke can and then take another swab from a different Coke can. Um, but the timings are going to be different. Maybe they are in a different location uh, in our scene, and they're going to have different exhibit numbers as well. So I should always be able to tell the difference between one exhibit and the next. So exhibiting is so, so important because a courtroom will often want to know what item of evidence it was that, say, identified a suspect. If I cannot tell them what item had done. So say, for example, if I've got a car, I've got two drinks cans in either door pocket, um, and I've only got a DNA profile from one of the drinks cans, it might be quite crucial if we knew who was likely to have sat in driver's seat or passenger seat. If I've got no way of telling, then there's really no point in me swabbing those, those drinks cans. So yeah, it's so important that uh, we have clear and concise labelling 
and we have a good list of all the exhibits we've recovered and we know exactly where they've come from in our crime scene. Once we've recovered all these items, we're going to transport them back to our, say, nearest police station or nearest property store, and we're going to put them into the property store so they can be securely stored there. Um, we're going to store things using, say, different methods sometimes. Normally, we'll either store them as dry or frozen, or if they're particularly hazardous, then they might need to go outside or into a, a specific, say, uh, container uh, so you're maybe maybe not going to have like accelerant indoors that's going to be kept outside in say a secure container um, and items that have been wet they can sometimes degrade DNA quite quickly so say for example if I take some wet and dry swabs from an area of blood I'm going to put those into a freezer because that DNA on those wet swabs could end up uh, say degrading over time but just by freezing those that's going to sort of slow down the degradation process uh, and anything sort of yeah your normal stuff like paper exhibits clothing normal normally they're just going to be stored as just like on a shelf somewhere uh, without any sort of special uh, storage measures um, but then like I said of course once they're in the property store they are then protected from, say, anyone else just easily going and getting them. Uh, they have to have a reason why they get it out of the property store, um, and they have to request it and, say, do a digital kind of request to, to have that out. And that is sort of the, the lifespan of an exhibit. Of course, I've seized goodness knows what throughout my time. Uh, I've seized, like, feces <laughs> which has never been nice I've had to recover a sofa and I say recover a sofa this sofa was so big that we had to take out the window of someone's house to take it out of it from um, but of course that sofa needed to be packaged so no forensic evidence would be say lost on the sofa or it couldn't get contaminated so I had to get, say, multiple body sheets, which is sometimes what we all wrap, uh, say, deceased bodies in. I had to get lots of these body sheets and sort of seal them all together, wrapping around this huge sofa. And then every single, say, edge of this sheet I had to tape down so there was no gaps in it whatsoever. And if any gaps did then form in the packaging because, say, like one of the feet poked through or something, then that that little gap would have to be sealed up, documented, and and whatnot. Uh, so sometimes you do have to be quite innovative. I can't say that. I can't say that word. In innovative. That's it. Innov innovative. <laughs> you have to be quite in innovative with your packaging. I could have just picked a different word. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have to be quite creative. Why didn't I say the word creative? You have to be quite creative with your packaging. Um, because yeah, you, you'll come across, say, an exhibit that you think, oh goodness, I haven't um, I haven't packaged anything like this in my, in my career. I've got to think on my feet as to how we're going to best recover it. Uh, one of my kind of um, not fun experiences in packaging was I had like some film crew with me in Brighton and they were filming me just at a scene and uh, I was there to recover some bedding but the bed didn't have a bed sheet on, it was just a bare mattress so because of the offence I would have had to have recovered the bed sheet because there wasn't one I then had to recover this mattress 
And we've got, say, mattress sacks. They're like big paper sacks that will fit a mattress in. Um, but it's normally easier if you do this for two people. But I was just by myself. Uh, I was putting on this mattress sack and I could just, as I was pulling it on, I could just hear it rip. And out of the corner of my eye, I can just see the film crew filming me as I was doing this. <laughs> and it just ripped all down the sides. So then, because it ripped, I then have to get out my tape and then seal that all up and make sure that it's not going to, say, then reopen down through this rip. Uh, in case you're wondering, no, that uh, didn't make it to air, that <laughs> that clip. I don't think they used that in their, in their footage of, uh, say, the, the Brighton <laughs> crime scene that I was at. Thank goodness, eh? Maybe it made the blooper reel at the end, but, um, yeah. So, that in a nutshell is sort of exhibiting and packaging. I hope it's kind of given you uh, an insight into, say, the life of a crime scene exhibit when it gets up to, to the court process. Uh, and it's just not as simple as you think. We just take something away from a scene and it's as easy as that. We have to put all these measures in place to make sure that there is, say, less to argue at, at court and of course we we want to be open and honest and we want to answer any questions that a courtroom may have so if they do have a question as to where was an exhibit at this point in time or how many people have examined an, an exhibit then the courtroom has the right to know that and uh, it's very important that we're able to tell them and maybe this podcast has given you some ideas for your next Christmas and birthday presents <laughs> there might be some fun wrapping up going on uh, maybe you'll get creative with, say, some boxes or maybe knife tubes. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, thank you for listening to me waffle on about packaging, and I hope to catch you again soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. This is Crime Scene Investigator Chris G signing off. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe and follow my social media at CSI Chris G. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll see you at the next crime scene.